Welcome to The Wall of Soundtrack, a show where we discuss the music and soundtracks behind the very best TV shows and motion pictures. For this episode, we'll be analyzing and dissecting the music and soundtrack behind Martin Scorsese's crime drama thriller, The Departed. Hey guys, a few announcements. I have moved the podcast over from the SoundCloud platform over to Podbean. So the podcast will now be available on Podbean, but as a result, it will also be available on Spotify as well. So if you open up your Spotify app and search for Rotunes Reviews, you can find the latest episodes there. Also, I will be releasing a new episode of the Brewtune podcast where I'll be pairing the Omaha, Nebraska rock band 311 with their signature beer, the Rock Brothers 311 Amber Ale. So if you're a fan of 311 and you're familiar with the Rock Brothers line of beers, be sure to check this episode out. And lastly, as we approach Veterans Day, I want to give a big shout out to all our veterans. Thank you so much for your service and support. Without you all, we would not be able to live in this great country. So once again, Thank you so much for your service. The Departed is a film that was released in 2006. It was directed by Martin Scorsese and written by William Monaghan. The film is actually a remake of a Chinese crime drama thriller called Infernal Affairs that was released in 2002. The film is actually a departure from Scorsese's usual portrayal of Italian-American crime families in New York City as it shifts to the Irish mob in Boston, Massachusetts. The film won four Academy Awards for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Mark Wahlberg was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor. The Departed had an all-star cast of actors and actresses, including Leonardo DiCaprio as undercover cop Billy Costigan, Matt Damon as Detective Colin Sullivan, Jack Nicholson as gangster Frank Costello, Mark Wahlberg as Staff Sergeant Dignam, Martin Sheen as Captain Queenan, Alec Baldwin as Captain Ellerby, Ray Winstone as Mr. French, and Vera Famiga as psychiatrist Madeline. The score was done by Howard Shore, whose other work includes The Fly, Big, Copland, and The Lord of the Rings trilogy. My returning guest for this discussion is Cy Shackelford. Cy is a graduate of the University of Connecticut, and I think that's why he does such a great Boston accent. We had a lot of fun recording this episode. Sai is also one of the main writers for the entertainment commentary and review website, Action-A-Go-Go. You can follow Sai's articles on the website, www.actionagogo.com, and you can also follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Shaq underscore house 83. Here's my discussion with Sai on the music and soundtrack behind Martin Scorsese's crime drama thriller, The Departed. All right, Cy, thanks for joining me. How are you? Doing good, doing good. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing great. Um, so, have you seen any new movies lately? Or Yeah, I saw Venom last week, the Tom Hardy, where he, where he plays the title character, Venom, the Marvel Comics character, but I don't recommend it for anybody to go see. It sucked. And why, why did you think it sucked? It's not that... Okay, Venom is heavily connected to Spider-Man in the book, and in the old Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s. So a lot of people, they see Venom, they immediately associate that with Spider-Man. The fact that Spider-Man wasn't in it, that did not bother me. But it felt like, here's how I felt the film was. It felt like they just took just a little bit of the source material, 
threw it against the wall and threw a lot of other things against the wall and just ran with whatever stuck. Gotcha. And it just didn't work for me. And and it was directed by Todd Phillips, right? Todd Phillips? No, no, no. He's going to do the Joker movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 I, I don't remember who directed this one. Gotcha. But they... But because of what it grossed or whatever, I think they're probably going to do a sequel. But if it, if, that, if it comes to that, I'm not going to go see it. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you thinking about seeing the Joker as well? Yes, I am. I mean, even though there have been plenty of Jokers over the years, uh, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and now Joaquin Phoenix, they've all been portrayed by good people, by actors who are considered pretty good, right? Actors that I like to, that I like to watch perform on screen. So I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah, and then... Um... And then the uh, the film The Mule is coming out. I saw a preview of that with Clint Eastwood. That looks pretty good. It does. Eastwood, he knows how to direct a film and knows how to tell good stories. And he usually gets good actors in there as well, too. I mean, if he's in this one himself as well, too, is he? Yeah, he's in it as well. It looks like it's uh, like a drug, kind of a drug theme. Like mm-hmm. The Mule being like, the, you know, the guy who carries, transports the drugs Dr- over drugs the across borders. the borders, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing that to see what kind of story he tells. Yeah, because... How old is he now? He's like 80, then near 90. Now, yeah, and he's, he's still doing it, though. He's still make, putting out great films. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the last film I remember buying by him was American Sniper, which I got in my Blu-ray collection, which I thought was dope. I mean, and Bradley Cooper as the title character. Yeah, they sh- they, he should have got an Oscar, Oscar win for that one. Yeah, he's a phenomenal actor, and he's going to be in that new movie with Lady Gaga. Yeah, and Dave Chappelle, the um, A Star is Born. Yeah, and um, I mean, I think that... that that's going to be an interesting project for him. Um, I guess he wrote, he's writing and directing it? Yeah, it's a kind of a Vandy project. He wrote, directed, and stars in it. And it'll be Lady Gaga's first debut in a film. Yeah, it will be. It will be her first debut, actually, yeah. And it, it's weird because I I didn't really recognize her at first because I guess, you know, she she kind of has her on stage makeup and yeah, kind of like... she always wears like elaborate costumes. I don't, I've never even seen the real Lady Gaga before. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Um, so what's new with what's new with um, Action Agogo? Well, we've got it. We're under a new managing editor now, and her name's Angela Knight. She's real good. And she got us all together to do certain horror or horror film pieces for the website. For, for Because, it, of course, it's October, so we're celebrating Halloween. So we got together and did a Halloween retrospective of the original series of Halloween because since... Since a new one debuted recently, with that was Rob Zombie, right? That directed it, or I don't think Rob Zombie did this one. Okay, he did one. Didn't he do one? Of he them did one, He did one or two. Yeah. Okay, he's a great director. His Halloweens were actually were actually pretty good. weren't were they weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be. Yeah, but this new Halloween, of course, it just discounts all the sequels and all the reboots. It's a direct sequel to, to John Carpenter's original 1978 Halloween. Okay. And what we recently did was we just gave our thoughts. We just put our hands in a bag and whichever Halloween movie we got we decided to write like a few paragraphs on it our thoughts on it a retrospective on it I got Halloween 4 The Return of Michael Myers yeah I watched it right before I did my piece again it's been a long time since I've seen it and like the only scary part in that was really the Danielle Harris at the end in the clown costume with the scissors okay, okay. that's the most haunting image other than that it's like typical 80s horror not scary and then you did a piece on actually a, the Freddy Krueger uh, series. Yes, the Nightmare on Elm Street films. I did like a ranking of them, gave my thoughts on them. The one thing I regret not adding to that piece was saying this. The entire cast of Inception could have kicked his ass. 
<laughs> just think, with a flick of a wrist, Wes, Wes Craven <laughs> created created a a uh, a great series horror series. There, he did. Yeah, I mean, the first one where Freddy first starts out at, uh, yeah, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, he was a genuine boogeyman. But then by the third film, he became the wisecracking Bond one-liner, razor finger guy that we know now. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They took like a comedy kind of turn towards it, like a black horror comedy. Yeah, like, like a, ch- a child molester who gets burned to death and comes back in your dreams. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's that that's funny at all. You know, no, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, they took a, took an interesting turn with that one. Um, well, let's jump into The Departed. Okay. Let's talk about that. Uh, this is a great film, like an Irish mob film done by Martin Scorsese. So a little bit different than the. You know what he's used to doing with the uh, more Italian and New York and New York City area as well too. Yeah, and, and that was actually the like his first uh, Academy Award uh, win. It was as a director, it, well overdue, I would say. Long overdue. Yeah, he was nominated for Goodfellas for best director there, but the only Oscar that that took home out of its six nominations was the best supporting actor for Joe Pesci. Yeah, but The Departed that one it took it took the Oscars home that year. It took home best director, best picture. Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Film Editing. And Mark Wahlberg, who plays Staff Sergeant Sean Dignam in the film, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor as well. Yeah, he was great. Just an all-star cast across the board with Nicholson, Martin Sheen, you know. Matt Alec, Damon. Alec Baldwin, who's kind of the comedy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> I mean, this film is, I, I love it so much because you get, there's so many different aspects to it. I mean, you have the the crime element, then you have the comedy element, yeah. and there's some kind of... There's a character the character study in there as well, too. Yeah, there's lots of twists and turns, and I think it, that's represented in the soundtrack as well with uh, some of the picks by Howard Shore, um, especially The Departed Tango, I feel like really kind of fits in when you when the, pro, the plot's developing. It does. You have that string kind of acoustic guitar piece, and it just works really well. Um, like like a tango because it is a tango has many different parts to the to the to the dance. So. It does as is the film. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's it, it's a great film. It's one of my favorites. I love the editing in this film too. Although like, some parts in it really, it's like even though they go from like cut from scene to scene, some parts you can tell it's like okay, okay, that they didn't really catch that right there. Yeah, but. Jump cuts. It. They have like uh-huh. jump cuts and they cue in the music at certain times and then and they'll just when, stop it like randomly. And even when you can tell like the vo- the vocal, the dialogue vocals were out of sync with the mouth movement. Yeah. Like at the end when a Matt Damon's getting beat by, um, by DiCaprio on the roof, he's like, you got fucking tapes of what? Costello was my informant. You can tell when you watch it, it's like, it's not synced up. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there do some interesting things. There's also one thing I noticed that was kind of interesting. It's with the, uh, the lighting and like, uh, if you if you see them walk into the like the police headquarters, there there um, you see like the office lights. It's like it's almost like a cross on the on the wall. And somebody wrote an article about that about Martin Scorsese's uh, like symbolism of having uh, crosses or X's like a yeah. crux, which represents like death. Death. Yeah. Usually when that happens, is someone is gonna die or is in a, or is in the process of dying. Yeah, and even in the ending, there's like a piece of tape, like an X behind oh. um, behind uh, what's it? Um, Matt, Damon. Matt Damon. And then there's also one when, in a window where Queenan was being thrown out off the building. Yeah, yeah, you see it at different points, but uh, just interesting things that Scorsese throws in there. But um, yeah, let's let's jump into the soundtrack here. 
Um, so the first song is Rolling Stones, Gimme Shelter, a pretty much a classic for Scorsese. It's been yeah. in, a, in a couple of his films. Yeah, it was used in, it was originally included on the Rolling Stones album, Let It Bleed from 1969, I believe. Yeah. And it was heavily featured and heavily influenced by the Vietnam War at the time. And yeah, Scorsese, he uses this song in a lot of his films. You use it in Goodfellas. He used a live version of it in Casino. Right. Yeah, he and he just, he's a huge fan of this the Rolling Stones. He did uh, you know Shine a Light, yeah, which that is documentary, documentary film uh, for the Rolling Stones, and and this uh, I love it because it plays in the beginning of the film and you get that intro where where Nicholson Costello is doing the voiceover talking about the history uh, of, of Boston, uh, of Boston and the Irish, how they play a role in that and the busing, the desegregation of the schools during during Nixon, yeah, when he mm-hmm. had the, the busing and all of that. Um, 1971, yeah. 1971. And it, it, I love it because it also kind of fits in perfectly with the theme of the film. It's, it's got kind of a crime theme. Yeah. And the lyrics in the song, you know, when you look at it, it says... Uh, I think it's like she says, like you know, rape, murder. You yeah. know, there's that. Um, then there's you know the if I don't get get some shelter, I'm gonna fade away. Right. Um, it, I just think it it just works perfectly with the with the theme. Um, it's used in the intro, and the other time it's used in the departed is when um, Matt Damon's character uh, Colin, his girlfriend uh, Madeline Madden, played by a Vera Farmiga, when she moves in with him. Yeah. It's playing there. And when he looks at her personal effects, like family photos, like these aren't going up, these are going in a drawer. He's yeah. like, what? Like, you don't see no pictures of my family around nowhere. Yeah. I mean, no offense, but. It's almost like he doesn't want to have his past out there because it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's he's sketchy. Ashamed, he's ashamed of where he comes from. It's like he grew up poor in South Boston, raised by his grandmother. And his father, his father was only mentioned once in the intro scene when, when uh, Nicholson's character asked him, you Johnny Sullivan's kid? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you see the guy, the uh, gr- the guy who owns a grocery store, get just putting stuff in the yeah. in the in the um, get him four loaves of bread, yeah, get him some cold cuts. It's like okay, you know that um, this is like sketchy, you know it, that it, Nicholson it Nicholson has some sort of like you know is extorting the guy or pretty, pretty much. And it's like, and you ain't doing this out of the goodness of your heart neither. Yeah, you're doing it because you have to, or because I'm going to break your skull if you don't, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, and then we, we, we go over to the Dropkick Murphys, uh, I'm Shipping Up to Boston. A great song, classic. It made, fam- um, sorry, made famous by this film, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I knew the song beforehand, but it's like, okay, this is used prevalent, pre- used a lot in this film. And it being a Boston film, and the Dropkick Murphys, they're from Quincy, Massachusetts, and they're of Irish descent as well. Yeah, yeah. So it fits in with the movie and its themes, and, and and it's 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 a very heavy song. It's very energetic. You hear it. I hear it a lot at like you know St. Patrick's Day oh, yeah. celebrations. So it definitely has the Irish theme there. The bands from from Boston, and um, you know, it, like you said, uh, you were telling me that this song was actually written by Woody Woody Guthrie. Yeah, it was written by him. Yeah, but the Dropkick Murphys they were the first to actually perform it. Yeah, and they I guess they made it really popular. Yeah, they um, did. And then, you know, the lyrics go along, I'm shipping up to Boston, whoa, you know. <laughs> and it's also used in, in, like, in Fenway Park and Gillette Stadium for the Boston Red Sox and the New England Patriots. And in some of those NFL credit card commercials or whatever where they feature a lot of fans and Patriots gear, 
if you see that, if you watch football, NFL football, you'll see that during the commercials, I'm sure. Yeah. What one? I like how they include it in the like the jail the jail scene where mm -hmm. where uh, Billy is, um, you know, they're, they're kind doing, of yeah. He's, he's doing his real jail time as part of his whole his cover. Yeah, his undercover. So you hear like the music, and then it just gets real loud when when you when you when they cut to that scene, mm -hmm. and he's walking down kind of the line to get their like clothes and stuff. Personal effects. And then that guy's asking him. He's like, "Are you uh, are you Billy Costigan? Are you? Yeah. Who wants to know?" Oh, he's like Sean Costigan. He's like smart. He's not not smart though. Like, he's like yeah, I know. I mean, no offense, but no, no, no cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and an, an interesting part about that scene is when Billy's using those books to do push-ups in his cell. Yeah, that's a nod to another Scorsese film, Cape Fear, where De Niro he's doing that when he when we first see him in jail. Okay. The day he gets released, he's doing the exact same thing on books as well. Yeah, yeah. That De Niro was awesome in that. Oh yeah. Freaky, freaky. Yeah, he actually, he went full method for that role. He actually got his teeth ground up and did a lot of exercises to make it look like 14 years worth of jail time. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, and he's going to be in, he's going to be in the film that, uh, that Scorsese's doing, um, The Irishman. Yeah, it'll be their first time back together since Casino back in 95. Yeah, it'll be it'll be De Niro, it'll be Al Pacino who plays Jimmy Hoffa, mm -hmm. and then it, uh, Pesci will be in it. I think Anna Paquin's in it. Oh, they got all the Oscar. Ray Romano's in it. Ray too. Romano. Like, <laughs> People sleep on Ray Romano. I mean, he hasn't had that much time in movies, but he's funny actually. And uh, I think he was in um, Scorsese's show on HBO, the one about the record business. I'm blanking on the name of it. Not the Deuce. That's the porno one. Yeah, that's the David Simon piece. Um, but he was he was in Ray Romano was in Scorsese's like piece uh, like show series about the record business. I'm just blanking on the name of I it. I remember. I remember it only ran for like one season, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that should be epic. That should be epic. Um, Looking forward to it. And then we go to Nas, which is the next song, um, Thief's Theme. We hear uh, we hear it during a sequence where when Billy and Billy, his cousin are Sean, selling drugs. Yeah, yeah, they're selling drugs in Boston at night. After Billy convinces Sean, is like, "I'm not a cop, dude. I'm your fucking cousin." Yeah, like you must be my cousin, you corrupt fuck. <laughs> yeah, I love that actor. What's his name? Kevin Ke Corgan. Kevin Corgan, and he's he was an American Gangster too. Yeah, he was one of the people that Richie Roberts, Russell Crowe's character, beat up. Yeah, he was in the first Bad Boys. He was in Goodfellas too as uh, what's his face, his brother. Um, he was Michael Michael Hill. He was Henry Hill's brother in the wheelchair. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's he's a good actor. He's always he's a good character actor. In this film, he, when he says when he says fucking Ricans think they know everything. If they knew everything, they wouldn't be Puerto Ricans. <laughs> B is you... for pig. R is for Ricans. I'm like you Puerto Rican in real life. Half Puerto <laughs> yeah. Rican. <laughs> That's what I like about about this film is there's so much like there's there's racial humor. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Gran Torino. Like, mm -hmm. and I think Gran Torino maybe up, ups the ante a little bit more. But it does. I mean, I don't know about humor, but it's like it's a lot of racial, <laughs> racial, <laughs> racial statements in there. <laughs> yeah. Um. And this this song Nas Nas Thief's theme I think goes really well. I think it kind of gets the the criminal element there. Um. Because it played me at right. Play me at night, they don't act right. That line, it's like it's perfect for a nighttime song, especially when they're doing the kind of business that they're doing. Yeah. An interesting thing about the song, the beat, it samples a uh, Inagata de Vida by Iron Butterfly. Yeah. Which, if some, if you recall, was used heavily in Manhunter. Yeah, at the end, mm -hmm. and that that movie's crucial. I, and I'm, I think it's kind of cool in that in this scene and The Departed where this song comes on, you don't really know if they just ripped off 
the the Puerto Ricans, Ricans that yeah. they were doing the drug deal with, but it seems like it pissed off you know French and all of the other uh, you know Costello's crew because they tell him they're like if you do one more dr- like stupid drug deal with your cousin he's like I'm gonna kill you <laughs> he's like, I'll cut your fucking nuts off yeah I'll forget you. your grandmother was ever so nice to me yeah but I think. Excuse me. I think really what it was about was this Costello's territory. They didn't have his permission. Yeah. Not that they were ripping Puerto Ricans off. Yeah. Yeah. You're pro- you're probably right. Because um, another- he said, sorry. I'll go. Yeah. He says because Sean he says in the scene that we're not even going to be doing we're not even supposed to be doing this shit this close to Worcester this side of Worcester says who says Costello says God as far as we're concerned. <laughs> yeah. You do <laughs> you do a good Boston accent. <laughs> I went to UConn for four years. I learned I learned New England accents. <laughs> and and you were right too about, you know, there Nas and and Marty Scorsese are both from New York. So I feel like yeah. Mar- Marty using this song in there is kind of a nod to 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 Nas. And I think you you were telling me too um, that Nas had actually used Casino as an inspiration for a music video. Yeah, for his song Street Dreams, which came out in 96 on his album, It Was Written. Yeah, Nas, Nas even confirmed that, that he liked Casino and wanted to pay homage to it. So I guess Martin Scorsese using the Thief's theme here was him saying, thanks for that. Here's to, let me show my appreciation. Yeah, that's cool. And then the next song we go to here is the Allman Brothers' One Way Out, which is played in... in the bar scene. Uh, the bar scene, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, just just because of how intense it gets. You and know? plus, there's a lot of post 9-11 symbolism. Like, they got, like, the United We Stand American flag in there somewhere that's in plain sight. <laughs> All the things that are going on in this scene. There's a lot going on in there. Um, you know, uh, Billy sits down, and then yeah. the guy sitting next to him you know, uh, is, is giving him shit because he's drinking a cranberry. Yeah. He's like, what is it? What, what is it? Your period? And Billy just uses the perfect time to just go ballistic on the guy. Yeah. It escalates real fast. But this Allman Brothers song, I feel like is perfect. I feel like you would hear this in a bar, you know, it's a yeah. kind of a bluesy blues rock feel to it. Um, a lot of these songs, a lot of the songs you hear in the soundtrack are perfect for the bar. Yeah. It's definitely something you would hear in the bar and the lyrics, fit i feel like the intensity of the scene uh, the lyrics are ain't but one one way out baby lord i just can't get out the door um I, it, I, there, there's a few things i think about these lyrics one it's it, i think really represents the violence um and in the sense that ain't but one way out baby lord i just can't get out the door i feel like he's kind of saying that there's no there's no you have to kind of use there's one way you you either go down or you or you you fight you either fight or you go down or you die trying right yeah there's no way out there's no way out you either you go out fighting or you die and considering the ending it's like yeah everybody dies that's exactly what happens to mm-hmm. to you know uh, billy and and, and colin uh, and colin yeah so yeah they definitely fall in line with the themes um but the scene, though, itself, where French, he lays down the ground rules after Billy attacks the dude's like, that ain't quite a guy you can't hit, but it's almost a guy you can't hit. Yeah. <laughs> and he reveals that he knows Billy, he knows Billy's family. Because Billy Costigan, he, he's the only, him and his father are born to a family of Irish-American criminals in Boston. Yeah. But because of their last name, they're always Mark. So Billy wanted to become a cop in order to offset all that to escape his background. But his background is why he was chosen to go undercover. Yeah. And I love the acting by Ray Ray uh, Ray Winstone. Yeah, he's he's English actor. Yeah, and he's just like, <laughs> there's just 
he's like he's like uh what are you drinking he's like a cranberry juice he's like what is it your period <laughs> and, then, and billy just gives him that look like, like really too. yeah and he so, beats up the guy that billy fucked up with the glass like, hey fuck it that's jackie's nephew oh and then he punches oh, him out oh fucking what pow, pow, pow. get the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah and they like kind of speed up the editing there yeah. too to make it look like and everybody's know, like oh, everybody fuck. looks yeah <laughs> yeah some great editing there and then so the next song we go to is the human beings if, I, if i'm yeah if I'm pronouncing that right nobody but me yeah this, this is like their only hit and it was a cover of a song by the the r&b group the isley brothers isley brothers yep yeah yeah, and this <laughs> this is the scene where in the, they're in the market, right? Yeah, Bill, they're Billy's in the market slash deli or whatever, and Billy's just sitting there eating while some Italian gangsters from Rhode Island are trying to shake down the store owner, a Singh, who's who's a Indian. Yeah, he's like, calling him Babu. Babu. He's like, he's like, you keep calling me Singh, it's Babu, or no? He goes, he goes, he goes you me Babu. Babu, it's, it's Singh, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, why are you telling me you're you're my friend? Hey, he's you like, don't you don't even know my name. You don't even fucking know my name. name. <laughs> then Billy, he hears him, but what sets Billy off really is really when they start talking shit about Irish people. Like, you opened up a, a store in an Irish neighborhood. Okay, these are dirty, dirty people. Go sell some fucking potatoes. <laughs> and that guy who's who's saying that is Armin Garo, who mm-hmm. is in The Sopranos. He Sopranos, played Coco. Yeah. Probably why they got him in this, too. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that that film was released around maybe a year before the last season of The the Sopranos. It was. 2007 was the last season. And this was 2006, The Departed. Yeah, yeah. So I think that... And then, you know, they include actually the soundtrack and the last season of The Sopranos. We'll get to that though. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, this is definitely one of those songs that <laughs> Billy fucked those dudes up, but this, it ends up fucking up his own hand in the process too. Yeah, yeah. And it, fucks up the guy's store. Yeah. <laughs> what the just, fuck is wrong with you, fucking people? Get out of here! Get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And that scene every time he's like Babu, he's like. <laughs> Is sing motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> oh, he he beat them dudes up though. Yeah, and it definitely the intensity is there. That song, you know. But that's what got him noticed by Costello. Yeah, yeah. He's just trying to trying to get in there and 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 um, embed so he can he can build a reference, build a case. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's cool how Scorsese included the uh, Armin Garo in there, and oh, yeah. then he ends up being in this in the Sopranos. It's kind of like they're both. Uh, Kind of giving each other the nod, the nod there. David Chase and, and, and Mark Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. And Scorsese knows a lot about film and actors and whatnot. He's a cinema buff. And I feel like they both know a lot about music too. Just they do. We reviewed this the Sopranos Soprano on our first on our first episode. Yeah, yeah. They know they're clearly familiar with a lot of genres of music, even things that I hadn't even heard of yet until I watched it premiered in their show. Yeah, and and Simon, um, sorry, not Simon. David Chase, he includes a lot of like Eric Clapton's. Uh, music in the Sopranos, and Derek and the Dominoes, yeah, yeah, and then and then so does um, so does Marty, and he did in Goodfellas with Sunshine of Your Love. Uh, I think he included that, and what's it called, Layla, the piano exit, yeah. included in the montage where Jimmy killed all the people involved in, in the Lufthansa heist. Yeah, yeah, so the definitely definitely guys that know a lot about music. Our next our next song here, Rolling Stones, Let It Loose. Uh, here's Scorsese, you know, paying paying homage to the, the Rolling Stones again. Again, yeah, this yeah. was this was from their 1972 album Exile on Main Street, which the out the CD the CD itself actually makes a makes an appearance in the film, in the scene where uh, where Billy Costigan where he mails the recording to Colin Sullivan, 
Okay. And, it's, and remember the CD case reads, play me now, call me at 555 such and such. That was, that was Exile on Main Street right there. Oh, nice. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. When I saw it, I had the album ever since college and I saw it, I was like, yeah, I, I, I gave you props, Scorsese. Uh, this is why I like you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he definitely, he loves the Stones, and he definitely picks some really good songs from their catalog. And this is a perfect bar song, so I can't, I remember several nights hearing this at Quarry House in downtown Silver Spring back when I was in my 20s. Wow, I sound old saying that. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, that's a good bar, Quarry yeah, House. Yeah, it is, it is. It's, it's a perfect bar song, it's a mix, the song itself is a mix of rock, gospel, and blues. And in the context of the movie, it's first played when... Jack Nicholson's character, Frank Costello, first meets Billy Costigan. Yeah, I think the title, Let It Loose, just fits perfectly with the uh, the character with Costello because he is, does pretty much let it loose here. He's unpredictable in so many ways. So many ways, even his dialogue. And word has it that, what's it called? The first the, the scene where we see them actually sitting at the bar, that wasn't in the script. It was Nicholson improv. just improved it, and and DiCaprio said the trick was having to keep up with Nicholson. Yeah, and it just it just intensifies and intensifies. You know, um, <laughs> he's saying uh, he has that one line where he's like, "I'm not the cops. I'm, I'm not, not asking, asking you." Yeah. Like, so he tells him to walk in the back, oh, and he gangster. starts interrogating him. He has what's called just take off take off your shoes. He's wearing Timberland boots too. Yeah. It's like you you look like a '90s kid with all of them baggy clothes, Boston Red Sox caps, and Timberland boots. Yeah. Yeah, and then then he's like, uh, um, I knew he, your father. He's like, he's he's like, uh, oh yeah, he um, he never asked for um, money. He's like, yeah, that was his problem. Like, he's like, who said he had a problem? That's what that's what DiCaprio says. And then then then, uh, then Nicholson goes, matter of factly. He's, Nicholson looks at me. He's like, I said he had a fucking problem. Because a man could have been anything. <laughs> and then they search his cast that he got after he beat up those Italian gangsters and whatnot at the, the convenient mart. The way French looks at him, he's like, like uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. 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 slamming it down. Yes, like <laughs> DiCaprio's in pain. Yeah, it just escalates so fast. <laughs> but before that, before that, in the scene where he tells him that the Italians want him dead, and Nicholson's like, they will kill you unless I stop him. Would you like me to stop them? And then DiCaprio's like shrugs and he's like, something I can't handle by myself, can handle personally. And then, then they French look at each other like, looking, what, what the fuck? <laughs> like, who is this guy? Like, like who is this guy? They're, they're, they're impressed, but it's like like the balls in this kid. Yeah, yeah. And then they start hitting his hand with, with the, the Timberland uh, boot. I was like, <laughs> the, see, the question you kept asking him, like, are you swearing your mother's grave you're not a cop? Yeah. Are you going to stop making drug deals with your jerk off fucking cousin? <laughs> 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 all right, all it's right, okay. all right. It's gonna be okay. Here, here's some money. Here's some money. I'm sorry. Then he just throws the rest of the money down. Like yeah. it was necessary. <laughs> As, As with our problem, problem in Providence, <laughs> let's not cry over spilled guineas. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, our next track by John Lennon cues up with "Well, Well, Well." Yeah, which I, I like this song a lot because it it's like the, like you were you were telling me this is like the heaviest song that John Lennon has done. Yeah, and it's just like. It, it's it's kind of random, but it also just kind of fits in. A lot of the mu- music feels random until you actually listen to the lyrics or listen to like the even the instrumentals and figure out how it might fit in with the scene itself. Yeah, like this is one scene. This is one song right here that I had to look up I, when I heard a little bit of the lyrics the first time. I heard I'm like I got to remember that. Didn't look it up on my computer when I went home. I'm like this. I'm like this song. This song is dope right here. Yeah, it, and it, it is. It's gangster. I mean, this song is gangster. It like, has a heavy guitar riff yeah. and. Lennon's wails, his vocals just sound very primal. Yeah. It smell, he like almost sounds like someone's getting killed, you know? Which someone actually did, did get killed get, in the scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Italians that, that Billy beat up, 
what's it called? He um the soldiers that they sent back to retaliate, Costello had them killed, then had Matt Damon's character blame it on some innocent store owner, Jimmy a Greek Pappas. guy, Jimmy Pappas. Yeah. Of course he had nothing to do with it, he'll say he won't, but look in his car. There will be a gun registered Providence. Yeah. In the trunk of the glove compartment. Bet. Okay. No wonder you get ahead. <laughs> He's like, hey, wanna go see some dead guys? Yeah. <laughs> and it's used and it's, then it's inter- then it's still used in the scene, the next scene where uh Costello gets acquainted with Billy and Billy's playing a dumb street kid, like, you know who John Lennon was? Yeah, he was the president before Lincoln. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> it's like you're being a smart ass to him right now. I wouldn't be a smart ass to this guy. Like, yeah, unless you, or unless you really are that dumb. Yeah, and then uh, you know um, he pulls the hand out. Yeah, the severed hand is still bloody with a ring, with on, the ring it. on it. He's like, he's like, give this to his wife. He's like, I, I, and then French is like, I love how you asked him what hand he jerks off with. And he's like, do you think this is gonna disturb like Martha? And he's like, as as I recall. She ain't that sentimental. sentimental. <laughs> then it cuts the Billy in the bathroom. He was really, he was kind of disturbed by what looking at the hand. But when he gets to the bathroom, he's taking the wires and shit off him. Yeah, like, he's, fuck all this. He's like, he throws it into the water. He's like, and then, then uh, Dignam, Dignam is like, wow, is he dead already? That's like, quick. Is he dead already? <laughs> but and then the irony there, you know, the the um, <laughs> the severed hand. He's like asking Billy. He's like. Uh, trying to figure out what how he's going to be useful to the to his like crime syndicate, and there he is handing like holding a hand. Yeah, you know the irony. It's like you know you take away somebody's hand, they can't really be useful. <laughs> and the fact that he was using John Lennon, whose song was playing in the background too. Yeah, he was saying John Lennon once said, "If you get me a tuba, I'll get you something out of it." Yeah. Point being, what can I use you for? <laughs> Yeah, and um, man, that is that is another great scene there. D- yeah. Disturbing as well. <laughs> it is. It just shows how just Costello really just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, and then we go to uh, what's that? Joe Cuba mm-hmm. with Bang Bang. <laughs> this, this is another funny scene because they're uh, they're shaking down some one of somebody who owes Costello money. Yeah, bookie, and um, so it, so it's it's French. Uh, it's French and Billy in this. Uh, I guess in this back room where yeah. where the bookies are, are are watching the games and he's he's pissed because one of the bookies isn't paying him enough money. Right. So Billy is watching that you know uh, Jimmy Bags yeah. when he's sitting down as as French yells at the, the, the other, other guy, guy. Yeah. and uh, the guy goes uh, Jimmy Bags goes into his his pocket and Billy thinks he's pulling a gun so, so he whacks pistol him, whips him with pistol a gun whips him yeah and knocks out like four of his teeth yeah he's like I was reaching for my fucking cigarettes he's like like French is like hey what the that's, fuck that's Jimmy Bags I mean, Billy like, he was reaching for. I don't know what the fuck are you, are you doing, doing? <laughs> and even as the other guys talking the French still can't take his eyes off Billy like. Yeah, so make more fucking money. He's like, he's like, he's like, I, if I don't, uh, if I don't um, give you the money, uh, he's like, if I don't make any, yeah, he's like, if I don't have any any money this week, I still gotta pay you. He's like, he's like, well, this is America. You don't make money, you're a fucking douchebag. So what are you gonna do? Make more money. That's the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Walk out. Billy's like, I'm sorry about what I did. He don't worry about the guy. Don't need his fucking teeth. No way. Yeah, and I think that the the title Bang Bang. Yeah, goes well with it because it's like the guy took. Pretty much took a bang bang to his like teeth. Yeah, and broke his jaw, broke his jaw. But he didn't know that Jimmy Bags is actually undercover detective with, with the Boston Police Department. Yeah, and the, the the artist here, Joe Cuba, he he was um, conga drummer, right? Yeah, he was Puerto Rican, raised in New York City, and he's considered the father of the whole Latin boogaloo, which combined like Latin rhythms with the '60s soul music. 
So why do you think that like Scorsese decided to pick that one and put Pro- it in there? Probably because of the rhythm, because of the conga, the conga rhythm and the what's it called, the snares and whatnot. They do deliver hard and they're very memorable the way the melodies use and plus Scorsese used it again eight years later in The Wolf of Wall Street, which also starred Leonardo DiCaprio. And the scene where DiCaprio works for that that firm in that Long Island strip mall and stars bringing in money. Yeah. Yeah. And they use it there. That's cool how he reintroduced it into one of his later films. Yeah. People will check out music if they know Marty Scorsese use it in their films. Like if you go on YouTube and you look up Moving Out by Billy Joel, you'll you'll probably see the first comment up there that says, I'm here because Wolf of Wall Street brought me here. <laughs> yeah. I see that a lot on YouTube too. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, for a lot of songs. Yeah. And then our next one's Patsy Cline, Sweet Dreams of You. Yeah. And this this uh, this is played when um, Billy and Frank are in the restaurant. Yeah. Right? They're in the restaurant, yeah. And uh, it's the first time this uh, the song is used in the film. They're in the restaurant the first time during the day. And Costello is eyeing some nun lecherously while drawing something. But then he goes on to say, and what's interesting about this scene is this is back when you could still smoke inside of a restaurant. Yeah. Because you see Billy smoking a cigarette, and Costello was telling Billy about his father, things he didn't know about his father. Like, you thought your father wasn't a criminal. True, he wasn't, but he could fuck some people up and kill them. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, then you hear uh, you hear him ask uh, Billy, he's like, have you ever thought about going back, back to, to school? school? What does he mean by that? I guess like going back on the straight and narrow or whatever or, go, or becoming a cop again. Because as far as Costello knows, he was a cop trainee but got kicked out for assault and served time in jail. Right. So maybe he's referring back to what Colin is doing, being a mole inside of the like police department. That or go along with his like... Because um... remember, Billy was... He's a child of divorce, I guess. His father was stayed in the Southie Projects and was a baggage handler at the airport. And his mother was rich and well off. So he stayed with his mother... And was going to private schools and whatnot, but on the weekends he stayed with his father and pretended to be a street kid from South Boston. Okay, gotcha. Did you ever like um, wonder what the box was that Colin received after he graduates from the police academy? I did. You know what it reminds me of? Whatever was in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Right, right. It is kind of like you just see the gold kind of yeah. light when he opens up the suitcase. Um, so and everybody sees it; they're mesmerized by it. But Colin, for him, it was something personal. Maybe it's money. Who knows? I mean, maybe it's like the keys or maybe to that apartment. I don't know how he bought it because remember that the the, the the realtor guy was like, how are you making How can you afford this apartment on a staff sergeant state police's salary? Right. I have right. a co-signer. Give me the fucking papers. <laughs> so let's talk about the lyrics here. Like um, the Patsy Klein song. Yeah. yeah. So, so what do you think of the lyrics? I think that like sweet dreams of you every night I go through. Why can't I forget you and start my life anew? I think that refers to the double life that Billy Costigan and Colin Sullivan, they both have, being moles to their respective institutions. And Billy, Billy came to the st- for the cops in order to escape his family's criminal identity, to build himself anew, but that's exactly why they made him a cop in the first place, an undercover cop, because of his family's history. Gotcha. Colin, he came up from a poor upbringing, and he's kind of ashamed of that. But what's it called? <clears throat> He wants to use the state police, even being a mole as he is in the state police, he wants to use that to further his his ambition to be a lawyer. He wants to escape Costello as well, as much as he wanted to escape where he came from, yeah. South Boston. And then, then this, this song fades. Dreams, dreams of their ideal self, I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, 
and then this song transitions when they get up from the from the table yeah and costello walks over to the two priests Tra- uh it transitions over to the beach boys sail on sailor yeah, is, i love that song and this is this is a this is a real funny scene because it's kind of scorsese's commentary, commentary. on the catholic church yeah and him growing up catholic as well and he was actually going to be a, a Catholic priest at one point, to my mm-hmm. to my knowledge, and then he just you know he dropped out of it. Um, so did Tom Cruise, actually. Interesting postscript. That. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. Um, so then you know he, he Costello starts uh, kind of taunting them, talking shit to them. Yeah, and <laughs> I feel like this is this is definitely Scorsese's commentary on the Catholic Church and the problems and, and with and the, the Catholic sex, Church and the sex scandal and whatnot. Yeah, and, and Boston has a high you know concentration of Irish Catholic. They do, yes, uh, and Italian and Roman t- Catholics as well too. Yeah, and they weren't, and uh, odds are that the sex scandal extended to their Catholic churches as well. And Costello says his parting words, and what he say? He says, "Enjoy your clams, cocksuckers." <laughs> and even when his girlfriend goes to, like, it, it, what did girl- you have to say to that anointed pederast? The confessional seal these days. I'm not so sure. <laughs> He just kind of throws in the zingers against the Catholic Church. Probably because this character was probably abused, too. Probably, and they're still dealing with those problems today. There is. Unfortunately. And the second time the Patsy Cline song was used in another scene with Billy and Costello, again, at in a restaurant, but at night, and it's empty. And Costello's also drawing, again, drawing in pencil again, but this time he's drawing some elaborate drawings of rats. Because yeah. now he's paranoid. He knows there's a rat in his op- in his organization, but he doesn't know that it's Billy. So he's interrogating him. Yeah. But Billy, Billy shows that he's got balls, and that's probably why Costello respects him, even when he puts a gun in his face. I think that's one of the most brilliantly acted scenes in the whole entire movie. Is that rat where like he's talking about whether he's accusing Billy of being a rat, being a rat, and making all those rat faces, fucking cheese eating rat. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I got this. This cheese eating fucking rat in my crew. And, uh-huh. he's like, and it raises questions like, Who you're I the trust? new guy. <laughs> yeah, you're the new guy. Why didn't you stay put at that at the safe house when French told you to? And he's like, he's like, you accused me once. I, I it take slide. it. He's like, second time, he's like, I'm gonna put a bullet in your fucking head. Like, and then Nicholson grabs a gun and just like okay. clocks. It's like, you got something you want to ask me? Yeah. <laughs> just, but he but he lets him go. It's like he believes him at that point. But the scene where French is sitting across from him and Nicholson's like, excuse me, French, I, yeah. I got my uh, cigarette. cigarette. It's like, okay, Francis. <laughs> he was looking at Billy. Yeah, yeah. with a straight face. Yes, yeah. like. <laughs> and Nicholson probably ad libbed that scene too. Yeah, oh, definitely. Because he yeah. kept saying, eat something. Yeah, no, Sorry. it's all right. Um, yeah, brilliantly acted scene. And then we go to the next track, which is one of my favorites. I have a lot to say about this one Roger Waters and Van Morrison. And actually, I believe two members from Pink Floyd or, or something. Two, two, two members from the band, which Scorsese actually did a movie on the band called The Last Waltz. Oh, Scorsese did that? Yeah. I've seen The Last Waltz. I didn't know he was behind that. Oh, yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. So he. he new every day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And um, so there's two members from the band that sing backup vocals for that with Van Morrison. And then there's Roger Waters doing. Um, the lead vocals. It's a real, real incredible song, though. Van it's Morrison. Cu- it's curious why he used a live version of "Comfortably Numb," this live cover of it, as opposed to the original version, which was, which is, which is very good too. I think it's Van Morrison's vocals. I mean, it's just when you listen to the regular Pink Void version off of the wall. Yeah, it's just Roger then, Waters or David Gilmore. Yeah, and then you listen to this one. Um, 
the vocals just sound different. It's Van, to me, it's Van Morrison's vocals. I just think are just so, really make this track, this version of it. Um, that's what the, the stand those, out. Yeah, those vocals are more highlighted in the snippets that we hear of it during the film, which is using and it's used in two scenes where the safe house that Billy goes to when he's ordered to give his real identity, social security, or bank numbers and whatnot. Yeah, it fades in there. It fades in there, and it's the funny parts in the scene too, where one of Costello's men, uh, Fitzy Timothy Fitzgibbons, yeah. off the boat psycho lives in Brockton with his mother. <laughs> She's straight up going my way. He has a very yeah. Irish accent, too. Yeah, and he's Scottish in real life, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. He does the Irish accent well. And he tries to write Citizens, and Billy corrects him. He's like, what the fuck is this? It's fucking retarded. And Bill's like, I give up. Fuck these guys. Yeah. He tries to get them to leave. He's like, Citizens? That ain't fucking right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but, then, uh, yeah, it fades in there, um, and then it goes, then it, then you, it kind of transitions into the, the love scene with Madeline. He goes to her apartment, yeah. She was, his poli- she was his police psychiatrist that he was assigned to after he was released from jail. She doesn't know that he's undercover, but he acted up so badly in there that she said she was going to transfer him, and he used that opportunity to get to know her. Like, you're not my doctor anymore. There's no patient-client yeah. trust or whatever. We're regular people. And I actually, excuse me, misspoke because there was a scene before that. I believe it was with Nicholson and at the opera. Oh yeah, he says uh, don't don't move. He he has the two hookers in the ho- in like, bed or whatever, and then he like sprinkles the coke. Cocaine, he's like, yeah. yeah, he's like, don't stop moving till you're numb. numb. Yeah, and then transitions to a song that's called "Comfortably Probably, Numb." Yeah, yeah, but these lyrics, um, these lyrics are pretty crucial too. Um, you know, when I was a child, I caught a fleeting g- glimpse out of the corner of my eye. I turned to look, but it was gone. I cannot put my finger on it now. The child has grown. The dream is gone. I've I'm become comfortably numb. Everything you wanted to be when you were a child. Yeah. You saw like a brief glimpse of what you could have been, turned away for a second, and it was gone. And then it kind of... Then you got to live with it. Yeah, and it's kind of these two characters, right? Billy's... Yeah. Billy wants to escape his background, but he can't. Yeah, and I don't think he really knows what what he is anymore, right? I mean, it's yeah, kind of like... Because earlier in the film, we say he's been undercover for over a year at that point. Yeah, so and to... Queen, and, Queen and kind of tells him the risks of doing this, though, too, When before he decides to become an undercover. He's like, we deal in deception, but we don't deal with self-deception. self-deception. Yeah. yeah. And then and when they kept telling me he's not going to be a cop, they're just saying, you're, not, you're too smart to be a fucking uniformed trooper. You're better suited for undercover with us. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, this, this live version, I always say Pink Floyd is, in my opinion, one of the most creative bands ever. Just and and the way that Roger Waters did this with, so he you know this is off the album called The Wall like yeah. by Pink Floyd, Roger Waters being you know a, a member of that band, but then went to do the live version in Germany. Yeah, during the fall of the Berlin Wall. Berlin Wall, and he had the, the set design uh-huh. is actually like a wall, and he's like when he's when he's performing the song, he puts a stethoscope up to the wall. Yeah, he's like singing the lyrics. It's just brilliant. It like, is. And the guitar solo, the ending guitar solo on the top of the wall, I'm like, yo, this is ill. Yeah, I, and I, I like the guitar solo. I think it's done. I will still say the original, the original one was better. Yeah, yes. by David Gilmour. Um, the but original this, one was better, but this... This one was good, too. Yeah, and, and being comfortably numb, you see that with Billy's character. He's, he's self-medicating. He's drinking a lot. He's drinking, taking pills from his aunt that he got, or his mother. Yeah, because he's just traumatized having to work with this murderer this all mass the stress murderer. yeah and all, all the stress, stress he has to deal with and witnessing all these murders and being a cop how he can't do shit about it yeah 
because you find out that Costello is a protected FBI informant later. Yeah, he learns that too. Yeah, there's a scene where we, where he learns that where another music song is playing. We'll yeah, get to that soon. Yeah, the the next one we have here is is it? Did we skip past it? I believe it was Laverne uh, Tweedledee by my my notes here all. Um, Go ahead. So, so I think it's Laverne Baker. Laverne Baker, yeah. Yeah, Tweedledee. Tweedledee. Yeah, she's using this. It, it it's very poppy and very lighthearted rhythmic pop songs, and Scorsese has done something like this before too. Like in Goodfellas, when he used um, what's it called um, what that song by Donovan Atlantis, where the scene in, in Goodfellas where. Bi- where Billy Bats gets beaten by uh, Jimmy Conway and uh, oh, yeah. Tommy DeVito in the bar. Yeah. They start beating him, beating him, beating him, pistol whipping, stomping him. And with that song playing in the backdrop, it's like, it kind of it kind of juxtaposes the lightheartedness of the song and the dark, fucked up shit that's happening in the scene right here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I, I, I didn't... You were lucky that you remember it because I didn't remember the song they used in that scene. But it is like this like lighthearted song. And then you hear... You just see you see Billy Bats just getting his brains beat out. Yeah, it just does not work. Like, or it just it's just like very. Uh, it's like okay, I'm gonna remember this song now because of this scene. Yeah, and other people have bitten that idea too. Like Quentin Tarantino used it in Reservoir Dogs, and the scene stuck in the middle with you, where he's cutting the guys, where Michael oh, Madsen yeah. cutting the dude's ear off and about to set him on fire. Yeah, the juxtaposition. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, man. Um, and in this scene. Yeah, and the departed is used where Frank Costello he shows how more how unhinged he's becoming. Yeah, he comes out of a bar with like blood a, on his hands, blood on his shirt. Hands. Yeah, like he just like chops somebody to pieces or or, or chainsawed somebody, and he's casually talking to Billy. You can get out of here. Yeah. No, I, I'm still using another crew tonight. Go on, take the night off. Yeah, it's just like, uh, dude, what, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, yeah, he's like in the bar in front of everybody. He's like, get him up. Yeah, get them up. Get them up. Then French tells Billy, there are guys who answer questions right, and there are guys who don't, which alludes to what Costello did. Maybe some guy that, one of his guys didn't answer questions the way Billy did, and Costello killed him. Yeah, yeah. It, there's so many, like, twists and turns, turns like, in the plot mm-hmm. that um, it, it goes back to what I was saying before with, uh, I think it was one song that I actually forgot to mention by Howard Shore. It's the Departed Tango. yeah. You know how I, we were talking about this, you know, uh, uh, earlier about the um, the use of the the string piece, the acoustic guitar, and they name it that because it goes well with this plot. Kind of, it, it, there's lots of twists and turns, and there's lots of different changes. Yeah, uh, in, in, is, in a tango, and the trick is to keep up with it. Yeah. So. And there's, a, I'm sorry, there's one more song that I didn't include on here. It was called a. Uh, Baby Blue by Badfinger, this British rock band, rock band from the 70s. It was used in the scene where uh, Billy and French are also going to shake down another guy who owes him money. I, the, yeah, I was watching it today. Um, I think he like shoots the guy in the knee, in, right? In the knee, yeah, eventually, yeah. But at first he just cracks like a, a picture, a crucifix his... picture of Jesus over the guy's skull. Yeah. While he's watching It's a Wonderful Life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and the song starts playing, it's like... You fucking pay guineas in Providence? Like, you fucking now I do. <laughs> yeah. And then he reveals that Costello's an, F- an protected FBI informant who trades up all of his people. 
But then Mr. French is outside, like lighting fireworks to scare kids away. And he's like, oh my, oh my God, God, is that French out there? <laughs> like, whatever may be going on in that very fucking limited brain of yours, I am not going to hurt you. I just want to know what you said. I don't know what I said. I'm fucking high right now. And he shoots him in the knee. He's like, oh. Garcelle's a fucking protected FBI informant. He'll trade you up. I thought I was supposed to go with this shark, but I'm not. It fucking hurts. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh... I forgot about that song, and I was watching. I was watching that scene, and I was like, "What? What? What band does this?" So good, yeah. good, good catch there. And it was also used in the series finale, the final scene in the series finale for Breaking Bad. Okay, cool, nice. Mm-hmm. So then we go to uh, Howard Shore, the three forty four wash. So this is a an electric guitar um, driven driven song, um, used pretty frequently in the film. I'm trying to remember what, what other scene it was used for. I think it was when um, Colin was chasing Colin was chasing um, Billy through the. Uh, that was that was another one. That was in 344 Wash. Okay. And 344 Wash refers to the address where Captain Queen and died. That's it. Yeah. The abandoned building. Yeah. Right. But they use it before that. It was the scene where Billy was in the restaurant at night with Costello, and Costello was questioning him about the rat. You hear it there, but it's very faint. You've got to turn the TV up all the way to hear it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it like, but it gets higher in intensity with each scene, right? You hear it more and more in each scene. The second time it's used is when Sullivan is by himself after being told by Queen that you're going to find the mole in our department. So don't be surprised if no one invites you out for beer and invites you to the house for dinner. Gotcha. He's in the office by himself and then questioning at night with Madeline, like, if, if I was to stuck this out for a year and we, I can finally go to law school... I mean, I'm Irish. I'll fucking be sorry for something for the rest of my life. Gotcha. And I feel like it had kind of electronic, it was like very, Nine Inch Nails kind of, or maybe Trent, Trent Reznor kind of thing to it. Yeah, because yeah. it's only the, it's just a, and it was just a guitar, really. Yeah. And I use it as first on my playlist when I work out too for my cardio. I use it on that as well. And the other time it was used, and what's it called? The third time it was used was when Queenan was being followed by SIU and goes to the building whose address is three forty four Wash. Yeah. And then, um, then Martin Sheen gets thrown. You know, Captain Queen and gets thrown, thrown off, off the, the building. That that's a, that's like a real eye opener. Yeah, <laughs> disturbing how, scene. But how far Queen was willing to go, he was not going to snitch on none of his people. Yeah, and like the fact, but but one of them went in there. Delahunt. He was an undercover cop too. Maybe not a state police, but he was with the Boston Police Department. Yeah, yeah he took part in it as well too. But it's like, you just killed a cop, dude. How do you justify this if you ever got to break your cover and go back to your assignment? But luckily, he never found out. Yeah, and that actor who plays Della Hunt was actually in Aliens. He played uh, Drake. Mark Ralston, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's from Baltimore, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. He, he was in Rush Hour as well, the first one. Yeah. But the final time is used is when uh, Colin's girlfriend, Madeline, she learns that he that Colin himself is the rat because of the CD, the Exile on Main Street Rolling Stones CD that Billy mailed to, mailed to Sullivan. She intercepts it after seeing Billy's name on it and listens to it first. Then when she reveals it, locks herself in the room, Billy, I mean, Colin listens to it, and he calls Costigan, and that's when you hear the song playing loud, loud, loudly, more loudly than it's been in the previous three times in the film. Yeah. Yeah, Howard Shore does, a, does an excellent job with the uh, with the soundtrack. Yeah, um, the score he, and the soundtrack, yeah. He, he did another piece in this in, on the score called Beacon Hill, which is, um, it's used a couple of times. I think it's used in the sequence where Billy is... Uh, talking about his mom passing away. It's, uh, I believe, 
It was also used... Talks about his mother passing away? Yeah, when she's in the hospital. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. And I think it's... Um, Another time when he gets interrogated by uh, Dignam and um, Queen and outside, where Dignam's like, hey, you think this, you can pop somebody's kind of a special card you can play? Yeah, yeah, it's used there, definitely. And, and like, intercut with his scenes with Madeline during the therapy. Right, where he's talking about how he's, like, with a with a, with a mad... Mass murderer and his hand never shakes. Yeah, and then they shoot the, him and, like... With, There's that scene where French and him walk in and shoot that guy with, with a soda bottle to muffle the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it would definitely fit the vibe there of just like this traumatizing experience and sad and he, experience. And you see how traumatized he is during that same intercuts of scenes as well too. When he's in his place by himself, takes his aunt Kathy's pills, of oxycodone, takes a whole bunch, and then downs them like a bottle of like Sprite. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. So. um yeah, then I think at the end, towards the end of the film, or I'm sorry, not the end, but uh, actually what's towards the end of the film, it's that shootout scene before before they go to the warehouse, they play the, um, the uh, what's it, the Dropkick Murphys. They play... Yeah, as they're driving towards the um, towards driving warehouse, to- yeah, and he's like, get rid of the fucking tail! Yeah, and he's like, okay. Okay, <laughs> and he goes and tells him about it anyway, it's a chance to get rid of him now that I know he's an FBI informant. Yeah, yeah. And this, the shootout scene that happened where Queenan died, where the cops said Sullivan sent to follow Queenan. They said, the fucking body came off the roof, Saj. You want, to, you want us to get on it? We got to get on foot. If you want to go. No, do not pursue. Stay in the car. <laughs> I need some fucking information. What came off of the roof? Don't fucking pursue. Now, fuck this. And he gets out of the car and starts shooting. It's like, oh, jeez. Yeah. And that's how, that's how exactly how Matt Damon looked when he could hear everything over the, over the walkie-talkie. He's like, what the fuck? I told him not to do shit. He just turns off the light. He turns off the light. Like, this is on you. When it gets back, this is all on you, dude. You got queen and killed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love this movie. I'm so glad Scorsese finally got recognized for yes. an Academy Award. For Best Director for winning it, yes. Yeah, Thelma too. Thelma Shoemaker for editing. Mm-hmm. She was she was excellent. And William Monaghan, he wrote the screenplay. Okay. Yeah, he, got the, he won the award for Best Adapted Screenplay. I think it'll be interesting that, you know, The Irishman, because mm-hmm. uh, I think Steve Zalian wrote it. Yeah. So um, I think it, it should be pretty, I hope it's good, man. They have a lot of good, great actors there. Uh, Pesci, you know, De Niro, Pacino. Yeah, that's going to be good. Reunite again. For a long time, over 20 years, I'm glad they're back together. Yeah. But um, hey, man, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about this. This is awesome. And, Me too. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have to do another episode soon. We'll have to do one soon. We definitely enjoy these, man. All right. Take care, man. No doubt. This podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast, Google Music, Stitcher. So if you don't mind, please leave a review and give me some feedback. I'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm also on Untapped. My username is Brewtuned. This is Andrew signing off. Cheers. Cheers.